Unlock the past and safeguard your memories with ScanMyPhotos.com. Here's our special promo code, GODIGITAL, to get a whopping up to 50% off your photo scanning order. Don't let your cherished moments fade away. Digitize them now with precision and care. Whether it's old slides, photos, or films, bring them into the digital age and relive those precious memories. This is an affiliate promotion, meaning we may earn a commission if you take advantage of this fantastic deal. Act fast, preserve your history, and save big with Go Digital at ScanMyPhotos.com. Hi, I'm Maureen Taylor, the photo detective. I really love family photographs, all of them. From the mystery images you find in shoeboxes and albums, to the pictures you snap with your digital devices. No mystery is too small. A simple question about an image can lead to new stories of your ancestors. This means you can count on me to help you identify the people in them, offer solutions for preserving and organizing them, and yes, even guide you in the various ways to gather and share picture stories with your relatives. My guest today is Lawrence Varia, and Lawrence is the author of a book called The Kissing Sailor, and this is an intersection of my love for Rhode Island history and my love for photo history, and you'll see why in just a few minutes. Lawrence, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm sure that many of the people that listen to the podcast are familiar with that iconic photograph of the sailor grabbing the nurse in Times Square. And your premise was, I want to find out who that sailor really is. Yeah, like many people, I I loved the photo for years, didn't know uh, a great deal about it, other than that I was drawn to it like so many other people. There is something, there's a quality about that photo that just seems to draw you in. And I became interested uh, many years later about, you know, what is who's in the photo, but more importantly than just finding out who's in the photo, what is the story behind that photo? And that eventually drew me to spend an awful lot of time interviewing people, researching the picture. And the more I would uh, talk to people, the more I would need to know, the more I had to have find out more about context and what else was going on in there. And then when I found out who the people were in the photo were, at least determined what I thought were the people in the photo, I needed to then learn their story. So one thing led to another, led to another, and it turned into a, a several year venture. And what's your background? It's it's not in photographs, right? No, no, I, I, I would I definitely would not call myself a photographer, other than I love photographs. But I am a school teacher uh, at North Kingston High School. I'm the department chair for the uh, social studies department there. And this is my I'm entering my fortieth year of teaching. Hmm. And this is the interesting part. So you were taken with this photograph, and you wanted to find more about it. And you did not know at the time that this had a Rhode Island connection, correct? Yeah, that is correct. And it's kind of funny how that all started, too. I, w- I was actually in a classroom in 1994, and I was teaching a lesson on World War II, the end of World War II. And back in those days, we didn't have PowerPoint. At least it existed, but teachers didn't have it. So I used to make slides of photos and then project them in the classroom and use those as my speaking points because students responded to that. 
So I, I finally get to the end of World War II. We talk about the drop in the atomic bomb. We talk about the raising of the flag at Iwo Jima prior to that. And then, the, of course, the war is going to end. And I use that picture from Alfred Eisenstadt, the famous uh, kissing sailor photo, to share that with the students to tell the story. Well, I, I finished the story, so I thought, with something along the lines of, of course, we don't know who's in the photo, other than that this photo kind of capsulizes that moment. And there was a student in the back of the classroom who was kind of a cut up, wasn't the strongest student that I had. He'd be the first to tell you that. He, he raised his hand and he said, Mr. Vera, I know who that is. And I said, uh, you can't possibly know who that is. Anthony, his name was Anthony Restivo. And uh, he said, you, he says, no, but I, I really do. And he, his story, so I thought, became more and more convoluted as he continued to tell me the details of this man that he has breakfast with on Saturday mornings in Newport, Rhode Island, who's a fisherman and, and on and on the story goes. So I didn't really take it very seriously. I just thought it was Anthony's opportunity to kind of take over my classroom once again. And the students loved it. And students in other classes, we just had um, partitions. We didn't have walls at that time in North Kingston High School. So they could hear my lesson. The math class next door could hear the lesson going on in my history class. And I could hear them starting to laugh at Anthony's explanation of what's going on in this photo. So two years later, I'm, I'm walking through Newport with my wife, and I go by the Handy Lunch, which is a diner uh, in, in, in downtown uh, Newport. And I see the three pictures of the kissing sailor, three different versions of that picture. And I remembered Anthony's story you know, about the about eating breakfast at this place in Newport. And I said, it can't be. So I go and I talk to the waitress. And she says, oh, yeah, no, he's absolutely. In fact, if you go down to the docks, um, you can go down there now and talk to him and he'll, he'll give you an earful. And I said, you're kidding me. I said, well, all right, I'll, I'll do that. And my wife was not terribly interested in doing this, going down by an alleyway down by the water. But I was so intrigued and taken by the moment. I said, let me go down and talk to this man. So I did. And uh, <laughs> I won't tell you all the details of the story. I'll just say that I left not necessarily convinced that, in fact, he was who he said he was. But I was intrigued enough uh, that I took him up on his invitation to come visit him. He lived in Middletown at the time and to hear his story. So I went over to his house, which he brought me downstairs. This was like a World War II museum. He, I mean, you really got that sense that this was a was set up for a show. And he told me everything. Went on for two hours. And I, and I left convinced that, that he was, in fact, the guy in the photo. And then I started to learn more and more about the photo. And the more I learned about the photo, the more I realized that there were lots of people who said that they were in the photo and their stories were intriguing and believable and worth listening to and, and learning more about. So I, I promised myself that I was going to research this and I did start researching it, but I would really get to the, to the bottom of this and figure out who's in this photo so that that person, whoever it is, can tell their story. And I said, what a, you know, what a gift to humanity to be able to understand what was behind this incredible photo. And 10 years went by and I, I didn't do anything. I mean, I did research, but I didn't really take it to the next level. So I was telling the story again in my classroom and telling the story of Anthony Restivo. And a young girl came up to me and said, you know, Mr. Varia, I don't have to tell you, but Mr. Mendoza passed away. And I remember leaving my classroom that day thinking, you know, what an awful thing. What if it was actually him? And he never got to tell his story. And, and I had wasted 10 years, you know, busy with raising children, being a dad, being a teacher, doing all that kind of stuff. But it felt really a sense of loss. And, but I left it at that. I mean, it's just one of those things that you just kind of a regret in life that you wish you had done something more about. Went to school the next day and the student came back up to me and said, no, Mr. Vera, I got it all wrong. He had a heart attack. He actually lived through it. He's alive. And that was kind of a, a trumpet for me to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to wait another 10 years. I'm going to, I'm going to do this now. And so that started my adventure uh, of talking with Mr. Mendoza, but also talking to any other credible 
person who had claimed to be in that photo. And again, there were a number of them. And it was, again, became a four-year second job for me. And the clues in the photographs, the things that you focused on to actually prove the stories. Can you talk about that? What, like what you, what you looked at? I mean, because what I tell my clients is that there are layers to a photograph. There's what you look at, the, you look at it, and then you see it on the surface level. And then you look at it again, you see something you didn't see the first time, you look at it a third time, and suddenly you're focused on some other little detail. And before you know it, there's a whole lot of details you have to look at to actually tell the story of a picture. So let's talk about what was involved in that for you. I mean, this is, this is 20th century history, iconic moment, Times Square, end of World War II, which I don't think a lot of people understand what that moment was like when the war was finally over or mostly over at that point, caught up in that emotional moment. And there were how many sailors in Times Square at that moment? I mean, how do you decide that George Mendonca is the one? How do you decide? Right. And there's no one way to decide. I was I was fortunate in many regards because there were people who I'd looked at this photo before. And so I looked at their research and then I would try to verify it myself, even though I'm not qualified to do so. And I would study the photo over and over and over again, looking at different pictures of the, the people who have come forward saying they're the sailors to see what likenesses I could see and what differences I could determine, say, you can't possibly be this person. And then I would listen to their stories, and then I would have to match it up with the context of what actually was going on in Times Square on that day. And you're absolutely right. The, the, the big problem is there are so many sailors who were in Times Square that day uh, because some of them were on leave from the um, European theater, which had already ended. And we're, of course, very close at this point, not knowing that necessarily that was the case, but to the Pacific theater ending. So there were a tremendous amount of sailors in Times Square who see themselves in that photo. And why not? They're, they wore that uniform. They were in great shape. They did kiss someone in Times Square. We know people were kissing left and right and over and out. One source called it the most kissing day in United States history. Mine is perhaps a distant challenge from World War I, the end of World War I. And you can understand why. It's at the end of a war, people want to hug, they want to kiss, they want to celebrate, they want to dance. Something awful has ended and we've made it through. And this picture kind of captures that moment. So who wouldn't want to be the same in that photo, especially with that as the backdrop? The best way to determine who's in the photo, though, is the markings on the bodies, because those things can become very distinct. In other words, someone could have a a cheekbone that looks the same as the the kissing sailor or the shape of a nose or, or, or what have you, or seem to be the same height. But there are markings on the kissing sailor that really become very distinct. And and one of the first ones that was pointed out was by Richard Benson, who was a a photo expert from Yale University. And he agreed to look at the photo well before any time that I had done my work. And he discovered a cyst on the kissing sailor's left arm. Now, he, he found this independent of George Mendoza. He noticed it on the picture itself. When he became involved with George Mendoza in terms of trying to determine if he was the person in the photo, he went to see George Mendoza and asked him to see his left arm. George said, you mean my right arm? That's the one you can really see in the photo because the left arm is kind of turned away. You don't really see anything distinct about it. But he said, no, there's something I've determined the left arm. I want to see your left arm. And he asked George to roll up his sleeve and the cyst, the bump on on his uh, wrist area was exactly where it was on the kissing sailor. And that becomes very distinct. So of course, everyone who I would interview, I'd say, gee, do you have a bump on your left arm? It's just something that's in the photo. Now, of course, that could have been removed over time. It could have been a temporary condition. There's, There's obviously a lot of explanations here. But the fact that no one else 
could speak to that or that they had ever had one there and only George Mendoza could, I think was, you know, early on made me think, okay, this, this seems to be something here. Then when I discovered years later uh, on my own, and this was late at night, and it was just, I mean, it's kind of weird just staring at a photo late at night, but I would do that. And I found a marking on the arm of the kissing sailor. It looks like a, a G and an M. And George Mendoza claimed that that was his tattoo, which was a G and M on his arm. But when you look at it, you can determine very quickly that it couldn't possibly be that case because it was located, in George's case, too high up his arm, his tattoo. And the sleeve, therefore, covered it. So that begs the question, what's the GM that I'm looking at on this kissing sailor? Well, I was able to find a photo of George many years ago, I would say maybe 20, 30 years ago, which of course I still have. And when you, when I zeroed in on his arm, I could see the marking on his arm at a, the exact same place where a dark patch of hair was on the kissing sailor. And George Mendoza also had a dark patch of hair. It almost looks like a, a birth uh, mark, but it's not. It's just where the hair collected. And at the top of that, there's a a body marking, for lack of a better way of calling it, a natural one, not a tattoo, where it's it's a poorly drawn G and an M is how I refer to it. And it matches up perfectly with what's in the photo. So those two, if I had to pick two things that I think are the most distinct qualifiers, it would be those two things, one on the left arm, one on the right arm. The other thing which I think is very important to identifying him is the work of Dr. Norman Sauer. Dr. Norman Sauer is from Michigan State University, and he was a forensic um, anthropologist. And he, his expertise was specifically working off photos. Many of them don't. They have to look, look, work off live specimens or, or, or dead bodies. But in his case, he actually, that was his, that was his thing. So he agreed to look at the case and what I had put forward. At that point, I was quite convinced that it was George Mendoza. But I wanted a, you know, another source to look at it and see if they agreed. And he got back to me about three months later and he said, no, you absolutely have the right person. I said, well, what distinct marking is it that makes you say that? And he says, it's not that it's not, there's no distinct anything that makes us think that. And this is very telling. He said, we can't find anything inconsistent with the kissing sailor and George Mendoza where Glenn McDuffie, who was someone who was very much celebrated as the kissing sailor, in fact, most people thought it was him, they were able to remove him from consideration very quickly. So even though he had some likenesses to the kissing sailor, what he had, what he didn't have, what he also had was inconsistencies. And those inconsistencies where they were able to remove other candidates right away, but they, as hard as they tried, they said they couldn't find a single inconsistency with George Mendoza. So when you put all of that together, you really have quite a case there for, for his, his part. Right. So sometimes you 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 can't have someone prove you right. You need to have them prove you wrong. In this case, yes. Yes. But there are two people in that photograph. There's the kissing sailor and the nurse. And that's a little bit controversial. I've seen some controversial statements about it. You know, was it consensual or not? Well, we don't know. It was all those years ago. But has there been any research on who the nurse might be? Not as much, because the focus of the book was on the kissing sailor. That was that was kind of the driving force. In doing that, we kind of backed into trying to determine who the nurse was. And the, what I say by that is, when we entered the research, when I entered the research early on, it was it was assumed that it was Edith Shane. Edith Shane was recognized by Alfred Eisenstadt, the photographer, in 1980, when uh, Life magazine put out the thing, the picture saying, "Who's in the who's in the photo?" He made that uh, determination just prior to that. So she was kind of blessed, if you will, with that, with the title of the, the person in the photo. And she had a great story that went along with it. And she was, she really made 
quite a quite a good show with that. And I believe she believed that she was in the photo. I mean, I believe she was kissed. We're not here to you know to question that. But when we determined that it was George Mendoza, and we sized it up with Edith Shane, it is comical to suggest that he is kissing Edith Shane. Edith Shane is approximately four foot nine inches tall. Oh, he's a very tiny woman. And also the body frame of the nurse, the supposed nurse in the photo does not match up with her at all. And she could not produce a single photo with her hair tied up at any time in her life, similar to what you saw there. In fact, the photos that we have of that year show her with her hair spiked up, which she said by her own interview, that was because she wanted to appear taller. And so she always, quote, always wore her hair that way. So that would turn it inside out. She never wore her hair the way the woman in the photo is. So we put all of this together, her body composition, her her height, and in this case, the way she wore her hair, which I realize can, can change from day to day. It just seemed that it just it was impossible that it was her. In fact, it, again, it was it, it was ludicrous to suggest that it was her. If you if you buy that it's George Mendoza, which I think the evidence is compelling and overwhelming in that in that regard. So that leaves the question: Well, who's in it? There were two other people, uh, only two women. Where before there was many many men who came forward. Interesting. That's another study. <laughs> just why that might be the case. But there was one other woman in particular, Greta Friedman, who was a dental assistant. And she matches up very, very well. Now, we can't do the study that we did with George Mendoza and Greta Friedman just because she's concealed more than George Mendoza. We see more of George Mendoza than we do Greta Friedman. However, what we can see matches up very, very nicely. George Mendoza and, and Greta standing beside each other match up at the same height as the kissing sailor and the nurse. On top of that, she wore her hair that way almost all the time. And she produced pictures showing that. So that matched up very, very nicely as well. Even though, again, we recognize that hairstyles can change. And her body composition is very slender build and that carries over to all parts of her anatomy. And you can see that in the photo as well. And she had the story to go along with it, that she was in Times Square. She, you know, and we know that she was in fact a dental assistant. We know that she was uh, a dental assistant uh, in walking distance from Times Square. So we put all this together and then compared it to anybody other story that was out there, only two others, she was the only choice that we we had. And again, we felt it was a very nice fit. So that is the reason that um, we have her in the photo. That's great. That's great. Well, it's a great piece of detective work. And I like your statement about saying, I'm not very qualified to do this. You are exactly the person to do this because one, you have a love of history. You teach history. That's really all you need to, to decipher the clues in a photograph. I like your book. Obviously, I wrote a short article about it a couple of years ago for a website called Small State Big History. Anyone can pick up your book. We'll include a link in the uh, show notes for this episode. And uh, I look forward to seeing what you're working on, the rest of the stuff you're working on locally. And uh, congratulations on 40 years of teaching. It's been fun. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. Sure. Okay. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media, leave me a rating and a review. And if you know of a friend or family member who's also interested in family photographs, share this episode with them too. See you next time.
I'm thrilled to be offering something new. Photo Investigations. These collaborative one-on-one sessions look at your family photos. You and I meet to discuss your mystery images and find out how each clue and hint might contribute to your family history. And trust me, these images can reveal so much in your research. I have decades of experience in the photo, genealogy, and history industries. This is your chance to learn from me and discover the stories in your family images. You can find out more by going to MaureenTaylor.com and clicking on Family Photo Investigations.